Welcome to another episode of A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and resident beggar who found bread. Just trying to get those coordinates out to other hungry folks. So, I appreciate your support in the effort. This episode is Gone Away. That's right. Cool song. Actually, a deep, meaningful song by The Offspring. And I was one not very familiar with The Offspring. This episode, the song... I'll come to you via request. And I know that I've said in the past, I don't do requests often, but when I do, it's typically free bird! Yeah! But in this case, I'm making an exception. Gone away. We're going to take a look at a doctrine that discusses people going away. We're going to look at the rapture. Yes, we are. And if you aren't familiar with the rapture, what that means, it's a basic teaching or doctrine that says at some point, God is going to zap his church off the earth. Just take them all away, get them away from all the bad stuff and leave the evil, wicked people with the Antichrist behind. Leave them all on earth. And there's lots of books and movies about it. Uh, Most popular, of course, is the Left Behind series of books. And there were movies featuring Kirk Cameron. And then a remake featuring Nicolas Cage. But we're not going to just discount a teaching because the movie starred Nicolas Cage, okay? We can't do that. Not just because Nick Cage was in the movie. We need to look at Scripture and find out, does Scripture support a rapture? And that's exactly what we'll do today. And in the movies, in the books, there's some actually pretty funny scenes, laughable, if you will, where at some point after, you know, after this great vanishing, when uh, when the rapture happens, there's like piles of neatly folded clothing left behind with the people who are left behind. So I guess they've got laundry to do while God's people are all gone from the earth. Anyway... Here's what we should know, okay? The doctrine of rapture, there is no documented history of it, nothing in writing about it, until the year 1788. Yeah, so almost 1,800 years after the church has existed, this doctrine comes around. It was uh, first written in an essay by a guy named Morgan Edwards, and then it was popularized when John Nelson Darby wrote about it, and then it got traction and caught fire. It should be noted, John Nelson Darby is also known as the father of dispensationalism. And dispensationalism, if you don't know, is the theory that God changes the rules from time to time. Every once in a while he says, nah, I don't like doing this anymore. Here's how I'm going to do it now. So there's the dispensation of law, and the dispensation of grace. And of course, this type of teaching, the dispensationalism, leads to replacement theology, which is the basic teaching that the church has replaced Israel. Okay, Breaking down dispensations, and that the church has taken the place of God's chosen people uh, as Israel. And the old Israel, gone, out with the old, in with the new. And of course careful study of scripture just obliterates that type of teaching. 
when you look at at the scriptures as a whole. And the same with dispensationalism. I mean, they, basically, it's there's the dispensation of law and the dispensation of grace. And wow, I wonder how that's broken up. Well, Old Testament, Tanakh, that's the dispensation of law. But now we're in the dispensation of grace, the New Testament, the Brit Hadash. And the the law doesn't apply anymore. Remember, keep in mind... None of this none of this was discussed or taught for the first 1800 years of the church and then all of a sudden Darby's like hey look check it out no more law and people are like sweet give me some of that again a careful study we have to study to show ourselves approved of God and a careful study of the scriptures reveal God's love grace mercy justice law and judgment are throughout they're from Genesis to Revelation. It is throughout. He is the Lord and he changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word endures forever. Darby thought that the rapture would happen without sign or without warning. Just going to happen. Suddenly people will just disappear. Zoop. Gone. And again, the basic doctrine says that at some point, any moment, Jesus is going to return to rapture his church. Pull all his people up off the earth, leaving the world to the Antichrist and unbelievers. And then, again, the debate is over. Well, does it happen before the tribulation, after the tribulation, or in the middle of the tribulation? The seven years of tribulation, which are discussed in the book of Revelation. And me, along with most other people, when entrenched in the doctrine of the rapture, subscribe to pre-tribulation, because <laughs> who wants to go through tribulation, right? Duh! Of course it's going to be pre-trib. God doesn't want his people going suffering and going through tribulation and stuff. Until, of course, we read the scriptures where it talks about how his people are going to suffer and there will be tribulation and trials. Oh, oh, that. Yeah. So we're going to take a look at some scriptures in their context because a, a careful selection of scriptures out of context puts together this doctrine very well. So we need to look at these scriptures in context to determine whether or not the rapture is even biblical. Because remember, this teaching not taught to the late 1700s. That should be a key right there. That should give us a clue. But we want to look. We want to study to show ourselves approved, and we will compare the scriptures to the scriptures. Yeah, and that Left Behind series, 65 million copies of the book sold. 65 million copies. Wildly popular. But what do we know about that? Popularity doesn't determine truth. Okay? So, let's take a look at some of these scriptures. We're going to start at 1 Thessalonians 4.17. This is a commonly used verse to support the doctrine of the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. There it is, vacuumed, sucked up off the earth, taken away. Hmm. Let's look at it in context, okay? Start at verse 13, chapter 4, 
First uh, Thessalonians 13 through 17. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For if the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So, first thing, not quiet, not silent, not a secret sneaking away of God's people. There is the shout of the archangel. There is the blast of the trumpet shofar. No secret about this. It's happening. Boom. And everybody's going to know. Second thing, as we look at this, this is talking about resurrection. This is talking about resurrection. Now, let's cross-reference that real quickly in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through 6. And I saw the thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection over these sec- over the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. And this is what 1 Thessalonians 4 appears to be referencing. The resurrection here. And also... Notice in here as well, when, when did this stuff happen? When does this resurrection happen? Well, we see that the people who are involved in it did not worship the beast and they didn't take the, the mark upon their forehead or upon their right hand. What, where does that happen? Well, that happens during the tribulation, doesn't it? Okay, so this, this event is happening after the tribulation. The first resurrection. What is going on here is happening after the resurrection. Now we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians 15.52. This is another passage, again, that is jumped on quickly. It's attached to that 1 Thessalonians 4.17 verse and building of this doctrine of the rapture. But we're going to look at it in its context. First, here's the verse. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Again, trumpet blasts, okay? Loud. Not a secret. 
sneaking away of God's people. There is a trumpet blast, and the trumpet blast is loud enough that it's waking the dead. It's raising the dead. This is, again, referencing the resurrection. Well, let's look at it in its context to verify that. First, we'll look at verses 42 through 44 in 1 Corinthians 15. 42 through 44 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Okay? talking about the resurrection. Again, this is what Paul's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians and what John wrote that he saw in his vision in Revelation 20. Now we're going to jump down to chapter 15, verses 51 through 55. Again, still in 1 Corinthians 15 here. Let's read the rest of this portion in its context. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That is talking about resurrection. Resurrection. And again, the the perishable becoming and putting on imperishable is going back to the verses 42 through 44, where he's talking about resurrection, the resurrection. And again, the trumpet sound, the trumpet sounds, it blasts. Now we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 24, and there's a bunch in here. I encourage you to study through Matthew 24 and 25. Awesome, awesome, awesome passages. But dig in. We're going to look at a few in here. First of all, let's look at verse 31 in Matthew 24, because this is another one of those hand-selected, out-of-context verses to support the doctrine of the rapture. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Okay. Once more, the trumpet sounds, okay? So, again, not a secretive thing. The trumpet sounds. Now, let's, let's look at what exactly is Messiah talking about here. Well, earlier in this chapter, at verse 3, it says this. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they're asking him, what's going to be the sign when you are going to return? Now, yes, he will return. Messiah Yeshua is going to return for the resurrection. 
He will return, and his people will be resurrected, and will reign for a thousand years with him. Exactly what it says in Revelation there. And so they're asking him, when, is, when will you return? What are the signs? And so he goes through a variety of different signs, different things to look for that, that are going to precede his return. Now, if we go to verse 29, just before verse 31, listen to this. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. So we see again, what hap- whatever happens, happens after the tribulation. Just like it references in Revelation 20 about the, uh, about the mark of the beast that the resurrection happens after the tribulation. This is saying, but immediately after the tribulation of those days. So after the tribulation is when this stuff happens. Yes, God's children are going to go through, those who are alive are going to go through the tribulation. Please study it out. It's in there. We may not like it, But we better know the truth. It's better to be prepared and know the truth than to have false expectations and be utterly disappointed and make bad decisions, right? So we'll take one more look, uh, look at one more passage here in Matthew 24. And again, Matthew 24 and 25, fantastic study. Dig through them. I encourage you. So we'll start at verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then... There shall be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Look, the Lord is coming and we need to be prepared. Amen. Okay. We all, I think we all agree on that. He will return. He is going to return and we need to be prepared for that. But please taking a look at this passage. Because the rapture talks about God's people being taken away from the earth. Please look at what this passage says. It's really important for in the return of the Son of Man is going to be like the days of Noah. For in those days, it goes on describing what they were doing. Then Noah entered the ark and they didn't understand until the flood came and took them all away. Who got taken away? Those who were not believers, the wicked, the evil ones, they're the ones who got taken away. So shall it be when the Son of Man returns. God 
saved and left his people behind here on earth. He left Noah and his family behind here on earth. That's who was left behind. And in this same way, God's people will be left behind. Jew and grafted in Gentile, we are going to be left behind. There will be the resurrection of those who are in Christ. And those of us who are alive at that time, we will be gathered with him and we will be left behind here on earth to reign for a thousand years. This is talking about the resurrection. Lindsay and Jenkins, I apologize, but I think they got it backwards. And listen, I, I, I know you, you may have invested a lot of money in those and time and reading those books and studying them, but those books are found in the fiction section. You've got to study God's word to know what it is. And please, if, if, if that offends you, again, don't be Kirk Cameron's hairstyle and growing pains, okay? Or... Nick Cage's acting skills in pretty much anything he's ever been in. Anyway, I don't mean to pick on those guys. But listen, study to show yourself approved. Dig into the scriptures because it's important that we know what God says, not what, what man says. And just because these teachings became popular over the last couple of centuries, listen, the church has been around now for a couple millennia. We had better know what God says in his word so that we are prepared and we know what's going on and what is coming. We know that Messiah will return. We're all going to agree on that and we need to be prepared for it. What is going to happen? I think looking at scripture, we can see what is going to happen. There will be the resurrection after the tribulation. There will be the resurrection and we will reign with him for a thousand years. Please also take into consideration Yeshua's prayer, Messiah Yeshua's prayer in John 17. Okay. John chapter 17. Take a look at verses 14 through 17. I have given them thy word and the word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Messiah, Yeshua, praying for the, his disciples both those that are there with him and those who would become believers because of their testimony, which is us, okay, modern day. And he is praying. What does he say? I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. He's not asking that we be removed out. He doesn't want us taken away from it but that we be kept from the evil one. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He wants us here. And, he, and we're going to rule and reign with him. And one, one final thing to look at is in Matthew chapter 13. And this is a parable, another parable that Jesus taught. And I'm going to flip there real quick. Matthew 13. Thank you for being patient. There's a lot of scripture to cover in this because... 
It is a very entrenched teaching, and so I think it's important that we do our homework. It's incumbent upon us to look at the scriptures to see what is actually said, because we have been taking the word of man for a long, long time. So take a look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 30. And this is talking about, this is the parable of the wheat and the tares, okay? It says this in verse 30, this again is Messiah speaking, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. First, gather up the tares. That's what we're looking at. That that's who gets gathered up. That's who gets taken away, as it says in the, in the other passage about the times of Noah. That's who is taken away and left behind are God's people, left behind to reign with him for a thousand years. I appreciate you giving me some of your time here. I know there was a lot in this, and I know that it, it is, again, it, it's this deep teaching that has just been accepted and now it's just regurgitated and regurgitated as truth. But we have to study the scriptures for ourselves to know what God's word says and to be prepared properly and to trust his word alone. So I encourage you, you dig in, you study, show yourself approved so you know what's going down. All right? And we will know who is gone away, and who is left behind. I appreciate you giving me some of your time once more. I'm just a beggar who found bread, and I want other beggars to know where I found the bread of life, Messiah Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life. So I ask you to go out and give them heaven. <laughs>